This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. All right, it's Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and we are live for another Law Talk. I always appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to listen to us, tune in, see what's going on. I have a, uh, he's, he's going to be the guest, but he's a friend of both me and Josh today that we'll be talking with. I want to remind you to like, follow, subscribe, comment, share, love, adore, all that stuff, all of our platforms. We're on social media, we're on podcast, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram. Back on Instagram, we were off that for a bit, we're back on that now. And you can just look up Kickin' Lawyer for all of it and find it. Uh, I want to remind you, too, if you haven't already, to download Wonder Girl by N.A. The Band. Uh, it's free. You can go to Spotify, download it for free. I think it's on iTunes also, uh, maybe on some of the other platforms. But uh, N.A. The Band, who have been here before, um, very talented young gentlemen, give them a, give them a listen. And we want to thank Michelle Allen. She's a longtime realtor uh, and friend of the show in the area. She's your go-to if you're buying and selling renting, leasing, real estate. And then if you have just questions in general, she's on the board of directors with the Chamber of Commerce here with me. She's well-connected and really nice lady. As always, Mason's High Octane Martial Arts is ready to take you uh, to the next level, start you on your own martial arts journey. We can talk about that with old Raymond over here too because he needs to get back on that journey. <laughs> and uh, just holler at us at masonsmartialarts.com. And, of course, the Cellar Restaurant and Prohibition Bar located in Covington. We have a great New Year's Eve event coming up. It's $50 a ticket or $90 for two tickets for a couple. It's going to have a live jazz band, you know, champagne. It's black tie, fancy dress up, masquerade ball, so the mask, the whole deal. We're trying to make it a very memorable shindig, and if you don't make it, that you'll end up regretting that you didn't see it. So holler at us at the cellar for those tickets. And uh, Josh is ready to help you with your online presence, whether it's uh, – your uh, social media posts, your your uh, websites, etc. Josh will help you with Masonite Digital Marketing. So, now that that's out of the way, joining me, Mr. Raymond Stovall. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. And I, you know, I I think I knew you before Josh, didn't I? You, you did. did. Yeah. Because you started with Taekwondo, and then he worked out there at that place with you, and y'all got to be buddies. Ray- Raymond's basically the reason I got the job out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's right. Um, so, really, we, we got... We knew each other through a mutual friend, which is James Todd, Tito. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's right. So I was looking to get back into shape, and I happened to run into Tito, and Tito was like, hey, you should come, try, you know, come join Taekwondo with me. And I was like, yeah, you know, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. So uh, I came in, I went ahead and signed up, and then you and I were talking about comic books and stuff, and I was talking about movies, and you said, hey, you know, you, you'd probably get along with my brother Josh. And uh, then Tito was in Super Mario Brothers 2, yeah, yeah, the second uh, one. I can't yeah. remember the yeah. subtitle on that one, but want it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so uh, I was an extra in that, and then I ran into Josh at GameStop. We basically became friends in GameStop. <laughs> but uh, and then when we had a position open out there at at the time, we were VF Image, where we're now Workwear Outfitters. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I thought Josh would be a good fit. Yeah, and turned out to be right. Yeah, it yeah. Took, he was. How long were you there, Josh? Uh, about two and a half years, I think that's right, Raymond. 
right. something like yeah. that. Long yeah. enough to put it on your uh, resume. On the resume, good. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it made a difference at the current job he has. But. <laughs> yeah, and so that led you in that relationship is what fostered re- your recent endeavor with Josh, where you got you you co-wrote wrote uh, the new Super Mario Brothers fan film that you guys did. Right. We could argue about the percentage. Uh-huh. Josh seems I, to think I wrote ninety percent. I think I wrote closer to sixty-five. Yeah, it's, pr- it's probably about six, <laughs> six between sixty and seventy percent, something like that. <laughs> And I've been, I've just been throwing Josh scripts. So Josh will periodically make the mistake of texting me, asking me for something, and I'll, I'll send him 47 texts about an idea. <laughs> I didn't know that you had interest in, I mean, I knew you were into the movies and stuff, but I didn't know, have you written any stuff before? Uh, no, well, here's the thing. When we were working together. By the way, how's Lacey? I should ask you. Oh, that. she's doing good. Good. She's doing you good. You told she's, her I said hi. She's probably, she probably heard you say that. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we uh, we were working together and we started collecting these batteries for these head headsets mm-hmm. and i wrote bad batteries on the box and so my friend chase chase middleton came up there and he's like that sounds like a, a terrible 80s horror movie <laughs> and i said correction that sounds like a great 80s horror yeah. movie so we were like hey we need to get with josh and we need to put this together and so uh, we came up with these ideas, which uh, Josh swears we're going to make this movie eventually. 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 Uh, <laughs> this is, Josh makes short films. This is a feature-length film. I, mm-hmm. I understand. Let's build the momentum first. But uh, I wrote, I did the physical writing part of that, and then I really enjoyed it. And I was like, hey, this is, you know, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I took it up as a hobby. Uh, it's not like I'm out there trying to make millions of dollars off of it. But You never know. Hey, I mean, you do never know. But then... Uh, I looked into like, hey, there's writing competitions for it. So I might enter some of those eventually. But, I, you know, writing has always been something that kind of interested me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a matter of sitting down and getting it done, just like anything else. Sure, right? sure. It's about putting the time in. Yeah, so, so I wrote uh, five business books during COVID mm-hmm. because it's just the courts were shut down. We had extra time. And I published on my Amazon. And then I also published around that time this book I had written a dec- over a decade ago about my daughter. And I like writing also. I like reading and I like writing, right? But it's funny you say you got to set aside the time because for whatever reason, during COVID, I was very diligent in getting it done. Every day I had a goal of what I would write. Then I would usually go back and edit what I wrote and then write on. Because what I did was, uh, I think what you guys do is harder because you're writing uh, fiction. And mine was effectively nonfiction because it's me advising you on things to do. You know, it's more right. of like, I guess, journaling really than anything. Anyway, um, what I was going to say, though, is fast forward, I tore my hamstring off the bone, right, a month and a half ago or so, and uh, I was going to be down for two weeks. I had to. Like, I had to be no weight-bearing, no standing, literally laying there. So I was like, you know what? It's a great opportunity to write again. But you know what ended up happening this time? What's that? I ended up playing Call of Duty a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got... The video games will get you, man. Yeah, so I was like, this is so... Next thing I know, it's two weeks has gone by. And I was super inefficient. I had no, I did do some work. I had set a workstation up at the house so I could still do some client stuff and uh, lawyer stuff, but I didn't do the extra stuff I thought I would do. Uh, but what I was going to ask you, I say all that just to because I, I have respect for people that do any writing. When you write a like a screenplay, you would think I would know this being Josh's brother, but I've never paid any attention to it. Is it ri- <laughs> is it written like a play? Like, do you write like this is the scene and the setting, and then you have like the dialogue broke down? Is that how you do it, or how do you set it Basically, up? Basically, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's essentially what you'll want to do, and then everything has to kind of flow. Did y'all storyboard any of it, or I, this... I storyboard some of my movies? I didn't this one. Uh, when I did Legend of Zelda in 2019, I did very 
uh, mediocre storyboards where it's like <laughs> stick people, but it just basically gets you an idea of like what the shots are going to be. So uh, I, I didn't storyboard any of it, but what I did do was there's something called a log line, which is essentially like the, the flow of the film. And so when we did Bad Batteries, and then again when, when I was doing this for uh, Josh, I, I got a, a dry erase board, and then just sort of like you put the beats in there as they flow so that nothing gets out of sync. Mm-hmm. So it all lines up together. And then, you know, you want to have things like callbacks and things like that because what you there's something called, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Chekhov's Gun, which is you show something at the beginning of a story. It's supposed to come back into play, you know, in the third act. Mm-hmm. So you want to have things that sort of loop and are cyclical. Yeah, and you're, re- you're really good at that because, you know, when we did this one, I, there was stuff I had wrote in there that I then didn't have come back later. And then you wrote jokes at the end that were payoffs to things I had <laughs> wrote at the beginning that I never even thought of that was really good. So, uh, yeah, you know, you're really good at, at yeah, doing that I, stuff. I appreciate that. I, I think it's really important, you know, when you're doing these sorts of things. It doesn't necessarily have to be a dry erase board, but to just have, like, a breakdown of the, the, the beats of everything that's happening. So you can go, okay, well, does this line up you know do we lose the momentum here is this necessary you know does it have a payoff especially in a comedy right you want to know is this funny yeah <laughs> doesn't have to be always funny there have to be some dramatic beats too but uh bad batteries is just I mean, no, it's, no it's drama <laughs> no i i can't wait to make that one because like the, i'm telling you all the script for that is genuinely hysterical <laughs> well the really uh funny. the super mario brothers one which is called uh back in the game back in the game yeah i saw you did the trailer on it and those who are just tuning in or are curious what we're talking about uh josh does mason studios which is where he does fan films and stuff like that and uh he goes and he does uh, cosplay videos and all this kind of thing he's done it for a long time and some are very good uh, the beginning ones, some aren't, but some are very good now. <laughs> hey, I'll be the first to tell you the early ones were terrible. But, uh, terrible. <laughs> but anyway, and he's gotten a semi-professional level with it where people, you know, he's people that are in other uh, plays and movies and whatnot. I'll do it. Anyway, and then Raymond's been a friend of ours, and he wrote a significant portion of the new one that's coming out, and it's available on the Mason Studios page. Well, the trailer is. When is the movie? When are you going to release the movie, Josh? Uh, I haven't set a date yet. It'll be probably... Probably March, April. Are you done with it? It's eighty percent shot. Uh, we still got like one more scene. We got to shoot of the movie, oh, okay. so it's still got a little. Have you seen what's been shot? Mm-hmm. Oh, you have. Well, let me rephrase that. I haven't seen every scene that's been shot. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of it. You've seen parts of it. Yeah. Well, I realize <laughs> you were Josh probably there, but you know, it's the different when you. Shockingly, no, it. I was only there for the one day. I one think, of the yeah. scenes. Yeah. Which you're in it, right? Aren't I, you? I am. I'm not a big player in it. I'm just an extra in it. Uh huh. Um, I was a day player, as it were. <laughs> and, and then uh, Josh, it features who? Actor-wise, uh, Corey Kaufman is Mario. Dylan Scott is Luigi. Uh, we've got Mark Meeker playing Bowser. Nora Childers, who's also known as No No Cosplays, playing Princess Peach. And then we got a TikToker named Andrew Tillis that is playing Toad. And uh, J.D. Willis, which is a theater actor out of Memphis, is playing Yoshi. So those are like the main players. And there's a whole bunch of extras and you know john wood helped out on the crew and different things like that right. so. and everybody's doing a fantastic job yeah this is the best best cast and crew i've ever right. had of any movie yeah i didn't realize that was dylan playing luigi yeah yeah it's dylan i didn't recognize yeah. him yeah, yeah that's that's that means he's doing a good job as an actor <laughs> yeah. well you gotta think about it most of the time i've seen him he's in a mask yeah that's true every too, time i've seen him he's wearing some outfit um still <laughs> except and even the time he was here he was in glasses so yeah. he was wearing sunglasses <laughs> the whole time <laughs> he's too cool 
Uh, cool. So what were your like inspirations on this? Because I mean, I get that that's sort of the pop culture, you know, movie action, action movie slash video game influence. But like, what are like your favorite movies that oh, man, you find inspiration really, from? It's a tough question. I mean, you and I grew up in the same yeah. sort of era. So yeah. you know what I'm talking about when I say those terrible B action movies yeah. that are not that terrible. They're, <laughs> yeah. They'll always have a special place in my heart. When I was uh, when I was a teenager, a friend of mine, Chris Crowder, you may know him. I think he may the have taken Taekwondo for a while. Um, we have a lot of mutual friends. Justin mm. Baines. Uh, yeah, Justin watches the podcast a lot. Yeah, he'll comment sometimes after one. the fact if he's not on it. Um, I will get Justin on one time if he's ever around. Justin, not to sidetrack you, but I knew him for a long time. And uh, he was one of the first students I had that really – was open-minded to doing a lot of arts so he did a lot of different martial arts and had and was in military and had anyway had good life experience so one day i'd like to get him on but anyway go ahead movies. Oh, yeah, i love justin uh so chris crowder's family had a whole bunch of vhs tapes so chris would come over for the weekend and we would just take a little duffel bag and fill it up with vhs tapes and so i've seen ridiculous numbers of movies mm-hmm. of varying qualities um one of which I showed Josh a little piece of the movie called Ninja Destroyer. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the so I love I love the terrible action movies. Like the, at least they were trying. There's a uh, Canon Films. Are you familiar with Canon yes, Films? Yes, yes, of course, because so, they made all those martial arts exactly. uh, ninja movies and stuff. Right, like they made American Ninja. American yeah, Ninja. Is they made. Awesome. Yeah, and it had a uh, Stephen. Uh, the lead actor, uh, Dukov, du, du, uh, du, Michael Dudikoff. Michael Dudikoff, that's it. Right. Yeah. Who was mm-hmm. not a martial artist. He was a ballet dancer mm-hmm. and did not know ninjutsu in any way is, or is, any martial art. Is that art. the one where light is their only weakness? And like as long as light's on them, they can't move or something like that? And then no. when, when they go into shadow, they just vanish? No, I that's the it, one where they wear padded, different colored ninja outfits. Right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, y'all thinking of different, different movies. Yeah. But, uh, but I watch that one all the time. American Ninja Warrior and American Ninja American Ninja Warrior, American Ninja and American Ninja Two, and they made a whole bunch of them. Oh yeah, they made. Yeah. I think they're up to like six or something. Yeah. They, Michael Dudikoff didn't want to do them anymore, so he stepped away. Yeah. I rewatched the. They had it on Amazon. The first two. Uh-huh. I rewatched those a few months ago. I tried to get Josh to watch them, but how'd they hold up? I haven't seen it in years. I mean, I mean, my taste is the same, so they're still <laughs> great. But no, I mean. You know, it's shockingly well, but you can really tell that Michael Dudikoff really doesn't know anything, mm-hmm. and you can tell that the other actor, whose name I forget, I apologize, but, uh, you know, he's the larger black gentleman with, like, a handlebar mustache. Mm-hmm. That guy's really good, mm-hmm. and you can tell it. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. As a kid, I watched him as a kid, and, of course, now I'm obviously more experienced on martial <laughs> arts technique. But, you know, they did that all the time because uh, uh, David Carradine was a dancer. He had never done kung fu or anything and just was making the stuff up in the show, the, <laughs> his kung fu moves. Right. So it's a common thing. They did used to do that a lot. And a lot of the films, like Menachem Golan, who ran Canon, like, you know, they would just they would just hammer out a script and they would just make it regardless. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times they would just get actors they thought looked good that might not necessarily speak English. <laughs> um that's how uh, Shokasugi came into being. You know, he was in a lot of those canon films. You remember those? Like, uh, Enter the Ninja, Revenge yeah. of Ninja. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All those. That was all Shokasugi. Okay. And I, his uh, his son, Kane Kasugi, is an Amer- has been doing American Ninja Warrior. I, I haven't watched it in a while, but he was um, doing really well in American Ninja Warrior yeah. for a while there. Huh. So that's just a little tight. Well, so which is your favorite? Like if you had to pick, I've asked asked this of a guest before. Is you know you know Josh and I are both big movie buffs, and if you had to pick one movie 
that you had that, that this is the only movie you could watch for the rest of your life. So you know, some people because you got to think about it. Because some people would be like, well, I like action, so I would. But if you think about, oh, man, I don't know if I'd want to watch that on repeat. You know what I mean? Like, right. what movie is the one movie that you think sort of defines you you'd watch all the time? You ready for this one? I'm ready. Clue. Really? <laughs> I love Clue. I can watch Clue until the day I die. That is not the answer I would have expected <laughs> at all. <laughs> I love Clue. It's yeah, my favorite it, movie it ever. It had, uh, was it Tim Curry was yes. the butler? Yeah, it had a lot of big names in it. It really uh, did. It had a lot of big comedy names it's in the it. It's the one. And the timing and the pacing is on point. <laughs> I almost said, is that the one with the the little hand? But that's the <laughs> scary <laughs> movie. <laughs> that's the scary movie version, isn't it? <laughs> scary yeah. movie, too. Yeah. I watched Clue not too, uh, last year, my, Madeline had never seen it. And uh, I was like, you got to watch this. Because I remember as a kid just thinking it was great. And I watched it. It was still all right. It held up decent. I don't know if it's what I want to watch forever, though. <laughs> I said Predator. Predator's pretty good. Because every time choice. it's on, man, I'll watch that thing. It gets you riled up. It right. gets me motivated. There's a lot of movies that are like that where I'll, it'll just derail my day if yeah. it's on. You know, mm-hmm. you walk through, I'll walk through my mom's house. Like, hey, we're we watching this? Okay. Um, so yeah, there's lots of those. But we used to watch movies all the time, which you're, you and I, again, are old enough to remember. Like, you go to the VHS store, mm-hmm. you're coming out with a movie. Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter. We've you talked know. about this, but I talked about this with I forget who was on and we were discussing it because I had uh, it might have been Bronson. Yeah, Bronson I, I can't remember if it was. I think it was Bronson because we were talking about Nightmare Sisters. Yeah, uh, but I was talking about as a young adolescent uh, Jerry Mason. A lot of times, our movie choices was based on uh, what uh, scandally clad <laughs> stuff <laughs> was in the movie because. You know, you're, you're a young gentleman, and you know you're, it's a roll of the dice on which one you're going to get if it's got any of that kind of stuff. But a lot of those uh, those B and C level horror movies and action movies had just randomness in it, you know. Right. And the acting, of course, was terrible. But there was so many of them. Uh, but yeah, no, we were a big fan of them too. I any of the martial art ones, I was all about. So I was getting all those you're talking about, those ninja ones, all that stuff. I used I've, to watch. I've seen Revenge of Ninja so many times. Yeah, and I want to say that the Canon films didn't they do the Chuck Norris ones too? When it Canon uh, yeah. that mm-hmm. did, because uh, he did a bunch of uh, his early action movies were, you know, questionable. Yeah, because you know Bruce Lee did so well, and mm-hmm. Jackie Chan was doing good. So Manheim Golan was like, "Hey, I need a guy mm-hmm. that's the face of my martial arts films." Yeah. As he did, uh, what was one he did? It was like Into the Octagon. The Octagon, yeah. Or something about an octagon. Yeah, it's just, I think it's just called The Octagon. And I remember that it starts with uh, somebody getting killed by like a ninja, by like a samurai sword, and that the, the, the this FBI forensics person was like, oh, that's a trained person that killed them with uh, shuriken, ninja stars. <laughs> and then we got to bring in an expert, so they bring in Chuck Norris. He's ready to go. What I remember about that movie is there's a lot of internal dialogue by Chuck Norris, uh-huh. and for whatever reason, they made the, uh, let's let's call it a fantastic decision, to have him whisper that dialogue. Yeah. So he's like, <laughs> you are my friend. You are my brother. Why would you do that? I'm like, really? <laughs> That's what I used to do when I was doing uh, the MMA stuff all the time. Well, you were there for some of that. And uh, if I was choking somebody out, I always like to say, well, I won't tell you what I said, but I used to whisper something in their ear right before they go to sleep because <laughs> <laughs> it was so awkward and inappropriate. Well, those guys know, and that's what's important. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's important. Yeah, so on uh, that's, that's sort of movie stuff, but we were talking before we started about, you know, both of us are big comic book nerds, really. Right. Um, and you, I noticed you've gotten into the figures and stuff, too. 
Which I'm sort of – so I always said I wasn't into them, but I kind of am because I got <laughs> – the office in Somerville has this kind of stuff. My office has this all this kind of stuff. So I have got a, started to amass a collection of figures too besides just books and uh, – because I've got art hanging up on the wall in there. Um, so, I mean, you can tell everybody, but I, I guess you're still a Green Lantern guy. I'm a Green Lantern Spider-Man guy. Okay. As you can tell by the Spider-Man. I just now noticed that says Spider-Man. Yeah, he's got the patch on the arm. I see it. Okay, cool. So, yeah, um, I'm a Green Lantern Spider-Man guy, but I, again, I, as we were talking about before, I haven't read an individ- a single comic issue without being in trade paperback form in, gosh, years. And uh, that's what you and I were talking about before is trades versus single issues. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, Josh made a good point that, you know, trades stand up on the shelf. You can You can... For one thing, you know, you can display them, but another thing, it's easier if you want to go back and reread something to find it without having to go through dozens of issues. Yeah, and see, I have started reading some trades, but I grew up where it was exciting to have to wait the next... Back when when we were kids, most of the comic books, it was monthly. So Mm -hmm. you'd read a part of the story, and then it was a cliffhanger, and then you'd get the next part next time. And then they'd usually have some kind of closure on the series after so many months, but and then they would do the crossovers where you'd have to get the crossover issue too to get that piece of the story. Right, yeah. And so most of these trade paperbacks collect the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's just not quite as fun as oh, did I get that issue? Am I missing this issue? And then you know you're getting to read each issue. And then I th- I feel like also I'm more aware that the writing is a little different. You know the art's different uh, instead of it being in one volume. Even though I know it's different in there, it just feels like oh, it's a different experience. Right. Yeah. I mean, the collector aspect is obviously gone. Yeah. There's no. There's not really a big secondary market. I'm not going to say no. There's some secondary market for trades, but there's not enough. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's you know if it's like a collector's edition hardback or something. There's people out there that want it, right? Yeah. Um, but what I think, I prefer the ones that are written intentionally to be a trade paperback. Or to be the larger size, like mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure you have. But have you ever read like Superman Earth One? Yes, the, I like, and those are good. Those are to me the best Superman stuff written. That the, the Batman Earth One was good. Yeah, was they good. had uh, there was like three volumes, I think, of the Superman one. Yeah, and three. it was a nice modern take on Superman. I thought. Yeah, and it it didn't uh, it didn't screw up Pawkint, which is a big deal yeah. for me. I, they keep doing that for some reason. Uh, speaking of that, uh, have, you, have you seen the movie? Um, what was the name of the one where they had the... It was basically Evil Superman. Brightburn. Brightburn. Have you seen that? Yeah. What did you think of that? I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they went as far as they could go with it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a good opening. I thought they were maybe building like a dark superhero universe with that film. Yeah. Because it's clearly if Superman were evil. Obviously. Yeah. Right. Um, but I thought they did a good job showing... I mean, that's it was frightening. You know, yeah, Somebody I mean, they, that powerful... There's literally nothing you can do about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, you get you know, you're living in... There was a Twilight Zone episode like that. Years of, The old black and white one. There's mm-hmm. one where a kid has the power to, like, blink and make people disappear. And the town, the entire town, all pretend certain things because they don't want to offend this kid. And oh, it's yeah. similar because he's got all this power. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's not quite as graphic, obviously, as that. <laughs> um, so... I didn't know you liked the Spider-Man as much. You you've got you gave me a one of the pieces of art I have. You brought right, the yeah, Superman, and yeah, I appreciate I mean, that. It's no secret how big a Superman fan you are. Yeah, it's kind of obvious. And I'm I'm also a big Superman fan. I'm yeah. I'm not on the level that you are mm-hmm. on that, but I'm I'm a big Superman fan too. Did I ever explain to you why? 
Uh, I think it's because he's like a black belt, right? He has all the power. No. He chooses to be good. It's not that? No. No, no it's because he's a nerd. Because <laughs> he's a nerd. And he is a nerd. Deep down inside, I am still an insecure, stuttering, overweight, seven, eight-year-old boy who got picked on a lot. And so I identify with a, the, a nerd that has this internal power that's hidden, you know, which I think everybody possesses. And so honestly, I always identified more with Clark Kent than I did Superman. Uh, but I liked that they're the same, you know, person. So that's really what started the big interest was really the Clark Kent dynamic. Um, but, yeah, I do like that. I mean, I think he's the most powerful. I think that, you know, I don't know that there's anyone really. It, it, you know, he's also way more powered than he was when he came out. You know, initially right. he, he, he didn't, didn't even fly. Yeah, he didn't even fly. And he was strong enough to lift a car, but yeah. not much stronger mm-hmm. than that. Then the Silver Age came around, Silver Age comic Superman, they were just like, I don't know what can Superman do this week. I don't know. I yeah, yeah, can... yeah. He had a bunch of powers through that period that he doesn't have now. That, yeah. And then they kind of settled, I guess, 80s, 90s on, well, these are the powers that he has. Yeah, there's a, a comic written by Peter David about Supergirl, which is the Supergirl that probably you and I know the mm-hmm. most, which is not actually Supergirl. It's like uh, the Matrix from outer space. Yeah, the clone or something yeah. like that, yeah. So uh, she gets transported. She's fused with a with another woman they did that later on that's not my point my point is she goes to the earth 2 realm which at that time was what they called the silver age world and she sees superman doing a handstand and she's like i didn't know you needed to work out i just thought you stayed that strong and he's like i'm not working out the planet's orbit was off by a couple of degrees i'm adjusting it (laughs) (laughs) well i mean like even in the movies he turns back time you know and right um i mean at this point it's once he's fully nuked up with some solar energy, uh, I don't know that there's a rival on what his power is. Yeah. But then that also creates, to me, an interesting dynamic because you have somebody who's, you know, virtually a god, and they don't exercise that power. That's a lot of right. control. So. Well, I know in martial arts class that was the one you leaned into the most yeah. when you were talking about it, which that's a fair point. But mm-hmm. I think uh, there's a concept called narrative potential, right? Mm-hmm. So. Superman's great, but what you run into is that Superman as Superman has very limited potential to be an interesting character, right? Yeah, so now you sound like Jeffrey Nodelman. I don't know. Yeah, he's a comic book artist. Uh, he did. He was the animator for Doug. Um, for Batman, the animated series. Oh, right, yeah, series. I do know who that is. He was, uh, he was at, he's been at the Comic-Con. He's also the uh, CEO of GTMA, the martial arts organization we're in now. And a uh, great dude. Uh, I, I message him random Batman, making fun of Batman stuff all the time. He, as a matter of fact where budget Batman developed from because he knew I didn't like Batman and every, I shouldn't say didn't like Batman. It's it's not my preference. And I'm a Superman guy. So it's sort of opposition. And, uh, the people that are in the, the, the admin that run the GTMA wanted to surprise him at this big national tournament and have somebody come out at, cause he had a name tag that said, uh, Bruce Wayne on it. So he wanted it. They wanted a Batman to show up and be like, Oh, you got my name tag, you know, like whatever. Anyway, so they called me because they knew I would do whatever. And so I w- they didn't ask me, though, to make it a campy thing. And so I got to looking at costumes, which can get pricey. And I saw that Adam West costume, and it, it wasn't cheap, but I was like, that would be – I said, this looks like a, a Batman on a budget or something. And I was like, budget <laughs> Batman. <laughs> so anyway, uh, my point, though, is he said the exact same thing you said. He said that he thought Superman was kind of a, a cop-out because how do you make him interesting? You know, he's so powerful. Well, I'm not necessarily saying that, but mm-hmm. my point is that the more interesting of the two is the Clark Kent side of things. Yeah. You, you have more potential with the Clark Kent. Yeah. Because 
you know, I guess they probably got away from writing it because everybody's like, oh, Superman's so strong. But really, you know, back in the day, that was a lot of it. Superman being Clark Kent going to somewhere to investigate something and they try to murder him or something, but they can't kill him because he's Superman yeah. or something goes wrong. Superman saves a bunch of people. Haven't had that restraint and, and, and knock it down. Right. <clears throat> to try to, to try to like, you know, have both identities and juxtaposition is the interesting thing. And now they're just like, who could we make? Cause Dan Jurgens came up with doomsday back in the nineties. So now it's like, who can be stronger than Superman? And now it's all about Superman's son. John Kent. Yeah, see, I've lost, I haven't followed any of that. I saw initially when he was Superboy, and I actually liked the the Superboy Robin, or uh, the Superman's, Batman's son and Superman's son Robin. I liked the series they did, and then that's the last I really saw. And the next thing I know, he's an adult, and it's son of Superman. Yeah. So. Yeah, that one's, and you talk about Batman, and he's not your particular cup of tea, but they've kind of painted himself into a corner with Batman where he's in the same basic boat. Batman can't lose anymore. Mm. Right. So from a comic standpoint, everybody's going to go, you know, bananas. If you, if Batman gets captured again, he can't, he can't really lose. Mm. And so I think, I mean, people are going to still buy Batman. Everybody thinks Batman's cool, but I, I think he's, in my opinion, he and Superman are in the same boat in that regard, which yeah. is, you know, unless you have a talented writer or a good idea, you're right back into that. Well, what do you write about him? Like, you know, who's a real challenge for Batman? He's got, you know, all the gadgets in the world. He's the, the superhuman martial artist and all these other things. So he can't lose. And if he does lose, your your fans riot. <laughs> Do you think that that's why the DC uh, movie universe has struggled? It could be. Um, well, I think part of it, I think part of the reason the DC universe struggled is because they decided they wanted to be dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I think it's twofold. I agree with you. I think one they tried to, but I think it's because they were trying to be different and the same as Marvel. Mm-hmm. They they were trying to rush to get the group together, the Justice League, like Marvel did Avengers. Right. But Marvel took a decade to build up to that movie. And, they, and the DC yeah. movies also didn't have the level of direction that the Marvel movies did. You know, the Marvel movies had Kevin Feige directing everything, yeah, like every aspect of yeah, one single yeah. vision. Whereas well, but DC movies, I, I think the biggest problem is the Marvel movies are comic books. They took the comic book and turned it into a movie. Like, yeah. they, they look like the movies. They feel, I mean, like a comic book, they feel like the comic book. The stories are literally from the comic books. Like, I already kind of knew a lot of the storyline because I was such a big comic nerd and had read the storylines, but I liked it. Right. Whereas DC made them darker, not like the comic books, tried to turn the comic book into a movie and and, you know, change it instead of it being a... A movie about, you know, it's like a movie about a comic book instead of a comic book movie, I guess. Right. And I think that was an error. Yeah, and I think they probably, some of that I think they made because Batman Begins did so well. Because mm-hmm. they tried to ground everything in reality. And I think that they were like, hey, this was really successful. Let's just ride that pony. Yeah. Well, they, and, didn't, they didn't understand that the reason that the Dark Knight trilogy was dark was because it was about Batman. Right. And you can't so really like, do that with Superman and the other ones. Cause, right. Yeah, so. And then, you know, the Wonder Woman movie comes out and, you know, yeah, it's set in sort of a darker time period. But the Wonder Woman movie out of the batch, I think, was probably the best. Yeah, no, I agree. I really liked the first Wonder Woman. Yeah. Hated the second one. Uh, didn't like, didn't enjoy it, it at all. It wasn't very good. Yeah. The first one, though, I thought was great. Yeah. Uh, I thought of the DC movies, I think Wonder Woman, in my opinion, was probably the... Now, I really enjoyed Man of Steel, but it's just because I'm a Superman geek. But I thought that it was too dark. You know, yeah. I thought they should have made it... Uh, I just didn't like the way... I, I, I grew up, just like you, 
with the Christopher Reeves uh, Superman, and to me that was Superman. You right. Know? Yeah. And I mean, he always will be each other. Yeah. Guy. That's going to be our yeah. Superman. And uh, and then he was so bright and hopeful, and he looked the part. And I like uh, uh, I can't even think of his name now. Superman. Oh, Henry Cavill. Uh, Henry Cavill. I like Henry Cavill. As I Superman. think he's a great Superman. I think he does a good job. Yeah, I think the movie around him could have been a little stronger. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Josh and I have complained about this till I've turned blue in the face. But I just really didn't like the portrayal of Paul Kent. And mm-hmm. I also don't know why they keep wanting to kill Paul Kent off because mm-hmm. <laughs> in the comics he was still alive. You know, so I'm like, why do you guys keep murdering Paul Kent? Even in the Christopher Reeve one, Paul Kent dies of a heart attack. Yeah, he's running up the thing with him and, yeah. and dies. And it was like, why do they keep killing Paul? Well, I think Kent? he dies in Smallville too, doesn't he? Eventually, yeah, he like, dies yeah. of a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a bad heart. But, you know, like that, that version that they put in Man of Steel, that's not Paul Kent. Paul mm-hmm. Kent's all about hope, you know, and mm-hmm. Paul Kent would never tell his son, I don't know if you should let those kids have died in that bus. Like, that's not, that's the whole point of Superman being the way he is, is that he was raised by truly good salt-of-the-earth people yeah. with good values that, you know, always tried to do the right thing. And that, that The minute I saw the first trailer that he said, should I let him die? And he's like, I don't know. I was like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to like this guy. It's Paul Kent. Everything else I liked, but that. So aside from that, what did you think of the Green Lantern movie? Uh, the Ryan Reynolds about one. The Green Lantern movie. So the Green Lantern movie, it's like they try to do what Iron Man did, which is Iron Man didn't have much of a script, and they were just, you know, making it up on the fly. The Green Lantern movie also had no script. Ryan Reynolds just signed on. Because he'd been turned down for for Deadpool. And Ryan Reynolds also tries to forget about the Green Lantern movie. Right. <laughs> well, so surprisingly, I liked the Green Lantern movie. I thought it was okay. Because it had the Green Lantern core. One of the first times you've seen, I think it's the first time you've seen them in the movies. Um, and I was a big fan of that. I, yeah. I, liked, I always liked Green Lantern. You know, to me he was, uh, I don't want to say like a poor man Superman, but... He was he was he was very powerful, and I liked the idea of like intergalactic police, like the yeah, idea. Yeah, that's that. the part of it that's the and most that it was mental strength, his, yeah. his will. Yeah, um, he's just that determined. I, uh, I mean, the, the weakness against Yellow was kind of silly, but other than that, it yeah. was pretty good. I, I thought the movie was all right. I I think a lot of myself included, a lot of fans didn't like the portrayal of Parallax in it because mm-hmm. he's like a huge deal in the comics that came up much later down the line. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just, like, threw him in, and then they tossed him into the sun. So I, I just really doesn't – that didn't work out very well. <laughs> have you seen the new Willow series on Disney Plus? I have not. I just saw that it dropped. Did you see the – you saw the original Willow, of course, right? yeah. So uh, Madeline had never seen Willow, so we watched it over the weekend, and then she loved it. She, and it holds up well. Like, I watched oh, yeah. it, and it holds up really good. Yeah. It makes me sad, though, because Val Kilmer's in it. And he's so young and robust in it, you know, and now he's in rough shape. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was, uh, and then so we, we watched that, and then we watched, It's I think it's only three episodes out of Willow. Um, but so far, I like it. So far, I thought they did okay. And it's got a lot of the original cast in it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. I, I like all those 80s, uh, I mean, all of them. They had the action movies, and of course, they're killing. Another one that I like, talking about 80s action movies, is Tulsa King. Have you seen that? I have not. I've seen the trailer for it. It's very good. I think it's good. It reminds me, it's got a it's got a Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul vibe to it. I don't know if you watch those. I haven't really. I need okay. to get around to them, but well, I, know I, it's I didn't suck I a lot didn't of time. watch <laughs> I didn't watch all of Breaking Bad. I couldn't get into it, but I did watch all of the Better Call Saul because it's the, a lawyer, you know, I was kinda right. into it. And I have been compared to him, which is not good. <laughs> 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 anyway, 
Uh, the the Tulsa King reminds me um, some of that. It feels like, but it's good. It's Sylvester Stallone, and 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 uh, I've enjoyed it so far. Right, Stallone yeah. still Stallone still got it. Yeah. as far as the acting chops. We went down this alternate rabbit hole, but what I, one of the things I was going to ask you about was again the action figures. So how do you what did you how many do you have like what's your main because you seem a lot of times I, I see online where you put them together which is impressive to me but it's generally figures a lot of times I don't know uh, what they are like I don't know you're into like Japanese looking figures <laughs> and I don't know anything Japanese about them yeah you know like big robot things right. or something uh, so that was you know how you wrote those things in quarantine I started mm-hmm. putting model kits together in quarantine okay which I mean you know we still had to work but. Sure. We were on the weekend shift, so we were working three days a week. Mm-hmm. And so we had four days a week of not working, and you couldn't do anything. You couldn't mm-hmm. go anywhere. Yeah. And so I saw some model kits on there, and I was like, hey. And I watch anime, too, so I had, I'd never really gotten into that. And I put a model kit together, and I'm like, that was super fun. And then it was one of those rabbit holes where you're like, okay, well, I put that one together because I like this. And then you put another one together because you also like this show. And by the end of it, you're like, I want more complicated kits <laughs> I want bigger robots, and so now I have too many. I don't actually know how many I have. I'm are not... you 3D printing any of the stuff, or are you just no. have you got into that at all? No, but we talked about getting one because I mean they're so cool. Yeah, my wife's brother Luke has a couple. He's got so they don't have any children, and they got a decent sized house, and so each of them have like a separate room where they have their stuff in. So she's into like books and Harry Potter and Legos. She builds Legos, and he's into. Uh, real technical stuff because he's kind of like an engineer brain guy but does computer programming so he's got like two or three giant uh, 3d printers and he made like one year he 3d printed a bb-8 that worked like uh from star wars and he does some of that i don't know that it's necessarily model kits but like and then if he has a buddy like he's got some buddies that do uh i think it's like larping or something or it may have been cosplay they were needing armor so he was able to 3D print some of that for him. But oh, some yeah. of the stuff these guys are making is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, pretty yeah. detailed. There's a market for it. If you are good at the painting part mm-hmm. of, like, texturing and everything, you can make serious money mm-hmm. with a 3D printer because there's a, there's a big market for that. Have Cosplayers you seen, uh, speaking of another movie that this brings up to me, or not movie, series, have you seen The Peripherals on Amazon Prime? I saw the tra- That's another one I've seen the trailer for. I yeah. have not watched it. I watched I the whole it season. Out. It was good. I, I, man, I must watch one more TV than I think. Because <laughs> uh, I always say I don't watch much TV, but apparently I do. <laughs> so it sounds like you've been watching more shows yeah. than I have. Well, so <laughs> the, 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 my, the, my day is very long, and normally by the time I get home and actually situated, it's around 11 p.m., and so there's about an hour there that my wife and I have to sit together, not think about stuff, and we'll watch some, you know. She watches, and we alternate. So one night, she's going to watch Sister Wives, uh, the Oak Island Digging for Treasure show, some ancient alien show, something about Bigfoot. These are the things <laughs> that she likes. So that Or How to Kill Your Husband and Get Away With It. She likes those shows, too, How to Kill Your Husband. So I have to sit there, and normally while she's doing that, I'll be on my phone either looking at TikTok or uh, may read a book, actually, while I'm sitting there. Or now I've been doing this Duolingo. Um, the nights that I get to watch it, I've been watching the shows I just mentioned. I watch a Peripherals, a Tulsa King, or whatever. And uh, we there are a few shows that we have agreed on that we enjoyed. But Yellowstone is one of them. If you haven't watched it, I think it's a great show for anybody to watch. And uh, she liked Willow. Willow was good. Yellowstone, is that one on uh, Paramount Plus? Yes, you have to buy the seasons because I think it's like a CBS show. Okay. 
But uh, it's worth it, I'm going to be honest. We bought all the seasons and have watched that and the 1883 prequel that came out a year or two ago. It was those are pretty good shows, and I don't. I'm not a big Western guy. Like I don't like that kind of stuff. But these are they do really good character development, and it's got your least favorite Paul Kent in it, Kevin Costner. So <laughs> I like Kevin Costner. Yeah. I just didn't, um, and I like I actually like westerns. My my dad likes my dad likes westerns. My granddad yeah. loved westerns. Well, there's a lot that I like, but it's not like I'm like oh a western. It's not like an action movie. Right. Like if it's an action movie, I tend to gravitate that direction and want to watch it. The interesting fact, so have you seen Fistful of Dollars? Yes. Okay, so Fistful of Dollars is actually a remake of a samurai movie, if you didn't know this already. I think I have heard A, a lot of those Western yeah. films are yeah. remakes they're, of samurai they're, they're movies. They're based on them, but oh, that one is like a Kurosawa direct. Kurosawa and stuff, yeah. So the, one of the first movie nights Josh and I had, <laughs> we watched a movie that is another version of that. So Fistful of Dollars is made from, I think it's Yojimbo. Mm-hmm. So they're essentially beat for beat the same film. Oh, you were talking about this, the fever dream of a movie you introduced <laughs> me to. So there's a movie called Sukiyaki Western Django that is a Japanese cowboy samurai fusion film that not, has both in it. It's not a movie, Raymond. It's an experience. It's an experience. Um and it is it is crazy. So the director of that, and I, we'll get back on topic in a minute, but the director of that film decided he was going to make it, and he wrote it in English, but none of the actors speak English <laughs> except for one guy. So they're all saying English lines, and none of them know what they're saying. <laughs> so there's they have no, no concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is it is a beautiful film. Josh, what would you rate it one to ten? Oh, I mean, it's at least a twenty-five. <laughs> I, <would say. laughs> I can't stress enough. If you like crazy movies and you like action films, you got to watch that movie. Well, that brings up R R R. Have you seen? <laughs> and I was corrected. All that that video is blew up on YouTube of me talking about it. This R R R movie, but it's not a Bollywood film. It's a Hollywood film. I didn't know there was a difference, but there is, and they get offended if you compare them. But have you seen that or any of those? I, Josh told me I have to watch it. I haven't. Yeah, you've got, it, got to watch it. I hear. It, I tell you what, it reminds me of um, sort of. Did you ever see Fist of uh, the North Star, the live action one, the movie? Yeah, there was a movie. Well, Fist it's based on the, an the one where. Oh, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I, see, I didn't, didn't pay attention to that, but he. Puts his hand in the dude's chest with yeah. the technique. That Gary one. Daniels is the guy. Who yeah, yeah. Him. It's he's a really good martial artist. He's in the splits and stuff. And anyway, uh, it's sort and that's over. The, it was over the top action in that movie, right? This feels like that sort of, but it's campy to another level too. And it's not intended to be like they they've got to know that this is funny, sort of. But they're all serious about it, right? You know, like you. But you got to. It's just so much in it that's crazy. Like from the beginning, it's crazy. This dude <laughs> fights like ten thousand people with a rattan stick. And, uh, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, and it, everybody's serious. Like, oh, look, this guy's really doing it. Uh, but it's and then they dance. They have this. It looks like the camera's sped up. They're dancing so fast because they have a dance dance battle with these uh, British guys. It's it's kind of like the. I think they're. Indian. I don't want to offend anybody. I think they're it's supposed to be India. And these are Indian guys, and they're the. It's during the time when the British had occupied India, and it's sort of like them versus their oppressors. It's interesting, but it, <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. man, you got to watch that. You got to watch that. You got to quit putting models together and watch some shows. <laughs> I've yeah. one together in a while. Now, now I'm doing the actual buying of the action figures and collecting them. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. I'm buying the same series that you have that uh, Superman from. That's that new DC multiverse 
seven inch series. Well, see, I'm not familiar really with the different series. So some of these were gifts. Uh, like I think Joseph from across the street at the restaurant gave me that last year. Uh, but if I see something with, if it's Superman, He-Man, uh, you know, anything like that that we that, that I identify, because He-Man, if you think about it, it's similar to Superman. Right, really. same boat. So, <laughs> yeah, so the, all those type of personas I, I, I really get behind. Hulk Hogan, Jerry the King Lawler, which who was on the show and signed my, my doll. <laughs> right, yeah. I have a mutual friend with Jerry, uh, one of our drivers for FedEx. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. I call him Hollywood. But he, uh, he, he, uh, he and Jerry are good friends, but... Um, and I, I watched the Jerry, Jerry, the King Lawler episode of your show. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, man, that was the, thing. Oh man, he was it for me too. Yeah. Him and anytime he and Bill Dundee wrestled, you know, that was a huge deal. Oh yeah. And Back then of course the I was always compared cause my name's Jerry. So right. <laughs> it's like I told him I'm Jerry, the kicking lawyer and he's Jerry, the King Lawler. Oh. Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah. Phonetically similar. Yeah, only he's got way more money than I have. Oh yeah, and uh, and is way more successful. Yeah, he's got a okay. life size Hulk statue in his house. Oh yeah, you you probably heard me then talk about uh, our when I, he was texting me our sort of he kind of flexed on me with the Superman collection because <laughs> I showed him you know what I have here and then the the stuff I have displayed in my office. Well, I had forgotten I had gotten gifted to me an actual prop that they had used on Superman the movie. That's the green. Uh, like Krypton crystal uh, mm-hmm. that he throws and makes the Fortress of Solitude. I have it. I have like one from the movie, right? Oh, like, yeah. which was a huge deal to me. Right. Well, so he leaves, and the day he had left, uh, I texted him, and I was like, "Oh, I forgot to show you this," and I sent him the picture of that green crystal. And he goes, "Oh yeah." Um, he goes, "Well, here's my collection. It's like three rooms of it's a like house, a, a museum with a Batmobile." <laughs> This giant Superman uh, statue thing. It's just tons of stuff. And it just kept, pictures kept coming. And I was like, oh, he's flexing on me. Right, yeah. <laughs> just let you know where you stand in life, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but he's a good dude. Yeah, he seems like a good guy. So you like the pop figures. Uh, you know, at this point, I'm about sick of them. I uh-huh. do like them, but I have... I have a every version of Spider-Man that they released for a pop. I have that. Mm-hmm. And I have, of course, my Green Lantern pop. And There's really only one version of Green Lantern. Hal Jordan. <laughs> yeah. So uh, even though that's not, if they make a movie, it's going to be about Jon Stewart. Because yeah. people grew up with him. He was the one they used in the cartoon. Yeah. You know, but uh, John, but Hal Jordan, it's going to be the classic. And then I, I grew up also reading Kyle Rayner when mm-hmm. Hal Jordan was a villain as Parallax, you know. So. Um, well, see, I was Hal Jordan mostly. But then, um, what was the one with the bowl haircut? Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner. <laughs> I was Guy Gardner for a long time. Really? Yeah, he was the Green Lantern. that, And I didn't like him. Nobody, I didn't like his attitude. A lot of people don't like Guy. I didn't like him. Uh, they tried to spin him off into something else, too, at one Guy point. Guy Gardner, warrior. Yeah. Yeah, and he it's like absorbed the ability to make... It was... Yeah. A lot of people didn't like Guy Gardner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, they, they sort of turned him around and made him a better character later on. Uh, the Justice League was it the JLI the Justice League International, International. they had the Justice Back League Europe the Justice yeah. League International Back yeah. in the day they sort of improved the character because they gave him the romantic interest with Ice mm-hmm. who is like I don't remember if she's like Swedish or what but uh, <laughs> sorry if I offended any Swedish or <laughs> <laughs> sorry we've offended the Indian people the British everybody right oh man you're talking about offended folks so like on TikTok uh, Josh you know, posted whatever videos. And we did a talk last week with some students. And uh, Josh, that reminds me, we got to make sure we get them the 30 comic books and stuff. I uh, forgot. I'll take them by there one day. Don't let me forget. Anyway, um, 
he posted one. It's so random what takes off. Like what we'll post videos with some really good legal information, right? You know, 500 views, 600 views, no big deal. Uh, that's it. And then just some randomness that we'll post blows up. <laughs> so, um, like the one that, that last week is, is still uptrending. I don't know. It's over 100,000 now, I think. Uh, like 125,000, I think, last time I looked. Anyway, it's it's getting on up there, and it's just me talking about our uh, justice system and how I start with the question of if you knew, if you really were pretty positive this person did it, are they entitled to a defense? That was the question. And so the kids are kind of talking, and then I'm explaining my view. Anyway, in it, I say Vordire. Okay, it's it's French, I think, maybe Latin. I really don't know what it is, but I think it's pronounced. There's several ways to pronounce it, but a lot of people say Vordir or um, I, I don't know. There's other ways to say it. They didn't like the way I said it. So there were two main things. I will say some of the comments on that video are actually pretty thoughtful, which is great because generally comments, you know, are just whatever. But some of them are literally debating the question, you know, whether this person deserved a defense, which is great. That's what I kind of why. I, talk to the class about it, it's great that the internet would do it. However, the second two most commented things are, what's up with my hair? It's dogging on my hair. I got a comb over. Uh, just cut it off, dude. Just dogging on my hair, right? Which is fine because any comments help the algorithm. Right. Um, and then the last one is how I say Vordire. That, uh, what is he saying that like? Because he's from Tennessee. And one guy's like, I know he's got to be from Texas talking like that. <laughs> they're just crapping all over the way I say it. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't know if they intend to defend me or if I'm offending them, but, you know, it is what it is. I got a nice Southern slang. <laughs> I, I'll say I'd always heard it, Wadir. Yeah, well, that's probably right. So, but I don't care, man. You know, it's always, <laughs> honestly, I generally refer to it as jury selection because that's what it is. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't try to sound fancy and say it. It just came out when I was talking just off the top of my head, and uh, and I said it. But I do usually say Vordire. That's usually what I say. <laughs> and people don't like it, and they get over it. So. No, and I, I told Josh this the other day, but uh, and you probably know, I've sent you a few, I've sent a few people who were looking for a good attorney, mm -hmm. and I sent them your way. Thank you. And uh, one of the things I always say is, it's like, I know Jerry, he hates to lose. Yes. So if there's a way for you to win, he's going to find yes. it. Because if you win, he wins. If you lose, he loses. Yes, I tell clients that. I literally tell clients, look, I don't even like you, but it don't matter because I'm going to fight just as hard because I, I don't want my win record affected, right? Um, but, like, just as an example, and I tell you this to you, Raymond, because I really think it's a mental issue I have. Like, I probably should get help for it. But... <laughs> Like, I'm on the Duolingo app now learning Spanish. Well, then I found out after a week or so on it that you get ranked. Like, you hit this one oh, button, no. <laughs> and it shows each week you get ranked, right? Well, right. I have to be first. Yeah. So Madeline gets so frustrated because constantly, if I have an extra couple minutes, I'm Spanish. I'm doing Spanish lessons, so I can be number one. And so far, every week for 30 days, I've been number one. Uh, so, uh, But it's just... I. It's just, I don't know why I'm like that. We were, Madeline and I were just talking about this, about why I specifically uh, am so competitive. Because as a kid, I wasn't. As a little kid, I was a little nerdy thing and didn't win anything, you know? And um, I, don't, I don't know why I grew that competitiveness into me. Um, are you like that on anything? I can get that way. Mm -hmm. I try not to. And I like, you know, we play fighting games and things like that. Yeah. I've been in a few fighting game tournaments and I, I never smack talk or anything. But, you know, if I'm if you can win, I'd rather win. Sure. Right. So 
I, I can get a little competitive, but not not nearly on your level. But I think it served you well. I, well, I, I mean, I guess it has. There. But the problem is I, I struggle with being uh, com, not complacent. Um, I don't want to say satisfied. Uh, I struggle with things that other people that don't deal with that, I don't think. Like, I can't just relax. You know, like, it's constantly what's the next thing. Like, I was thinking back over the last few years, uh, like a, a year, of course, I'm injured now. But the St. Jude Marathon they had uh, last weekend, I think, well, I ran it last year. And I'm not a runner. I'm not a – I hate running. Like, even when we were doing the fighting and everything and martial arts and I was super competitive in that, I would run some, but it was never something I was competitive in or good at or enjoyed. But I made a comment. I was telling somebody – this is a year and a half ago, two, year, two, uh, two about two years ago, something about how um, – uh, yeah, something about a marathon or, well, you know, I could probably do a marathon. And they basically told me that they didn't think I could do it. And that was it. I don't even remember who it was. But they said that, and I was like, you know <laughs> what? matter who it is. I'm going to run a St. Jude Marathon. And then my son went to the Navy, and that was sort of a catalyst because I knew he was suffering and running. And I literally just started training for the marathon. It took me a year. I trained a year for the marathon and ran the marathon. But my point is, like, I ran the marathon, and after that, as soon as it was done, probably the next day, I didn't think about it. It's like, okay, what's next? What's the next thing, you know? So I'm just never still. Yeah, I, I think, think that's a I think problem. one of the things that I, I do, because, you know, I, we used to play in a card game called Kaijudo when we went around to the tournament. I remember that. Like I do that. remember that, because Lacey yeah. was, like, whipping folks. Yeah, she did pretty well. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I was pre- getting pretty successful at it, too. I, uh, I would set goals for myself that weren't the tippy top, right? So... You know, I'd be like, okay, well, I at least want to come in top eight. Top eight was the big thing. Like, you get prizes if you're in the top eight. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I would set the goal to, like, okay, well, I need to get an invitation to the big championship event, which they pay for the flight the whole nine. Uh, and I won two of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lacey won one. Um, but then, like, I never set the goal of, like, hey, I should win the championship. So then when we got to the championship, I, like, sort of half-assed it because <laughs> I wasn't really concerned about winning that. Hey, I got here. This yeah. was the, This is the big show, right? And what what I ran into was for for starters, Lacey was the first one that liked that card game. At mm-hmm. the time, I was doing more with like I was in taekwondo mm-hmm. and all that other stuff and playing fighting games and things. And I really wasn't, but she wanted to do it, so I went around with her. And then I, I did pretty well at an event. I'm like, you know, I could probably do this. Yeah. <laughs> so then I started putting a little effort into it. Uh, and we kind of made a name for ourselves of using cards nobody else used. Mm-hmm. Uh, just try to. Because you, you have a meta in a card game or, or something like that, or fighting games, video games in general. There's what's called the meta, which is what people are doing. And you want to kind of find a way to your angle to beat the meta, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think you really have it as much in Taekwondo. I mean, there's the sidekick. Everybody wants to do mm-hmm. the sidekicks. But really in that kind of competition, there's not as much of a meta that everybody does. There's just individual people's habits. But yeah. in the card game, there's like, you know, and then you also have like influencers within that. They're going to push certain cards and be like, this card is the best, or push certain decks of cards and like, this deck is the best. And so you have to be prepared if you're going to a tournament to know, okay, well, people are playing this. What am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably the aspect of it that I liked the most. And and I know you you know what I'm talking about as far as Taekwondo because you already are like, okay, well, I know that, you know, I'm going to set him up for this move mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to land this. So you do the same thing with cards. You're like, okay, well, I have this. This is how I win. Mm-hmm. I've got to get this person set up to this point where this is how I win. Yeah. And uh, we, we did pretty well at that. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's, I think competition is good in anything because I think it pushes you to be better. 
And it doesn't mean you're not good or not worth, don't have any value if you don't win, but I think it teaches you things. And I think what you do with loss, really, kind of shows more about the kind of person you are than even victory. Because I've had, so I've done similar goal setting you're talking about. Like, I, of course, I always wanted to be world champion or whatever. But like in Taekwondo, a lot of times in the beginning, it was just I want to make the top 10 because the top 10 was eligible for world champion, right? So like it wasn't, oh, I'm just, I, that was a relief if I made it in the top 10. But then those are stair steps to me. So like once I know I'm in the top 10, well, now that means I got to win, you know, or I got to finish in the top three or it's always <laughs> another level to go. So like I ran the marathon and uh, – a few weeks after it, I had to wait for the the memory of it to fade because it sucked. Okay, <laughs> it was a terrible experience. Um, yeah, my earbuds didn't work the whole time, so I don't remember my time. I think the cap was like six hours and thirty minutes. So my goal was to finish in under the cap. I just wanted to finish in under that time limit. And so uh, the problem is in the beginning because I'm competitive. I didn't run my pace. I was I couldn't stand these people passing me, so I sped up. Mm-hmm. And so the first like two hours, I was running like an eight or nine minute mile pace, and my plan was to run like an eleven or twelve minute mile pace. Anyway, so man, it got that monkey got on my back, and it was rough towards the middle. And I didn't have any ear uh, my earbuds didn't work, so I had nothing but my own thoughts <laughs> for all that time. <laughs> yeah. I had downloaded podcasts and music and all these books and stuff, and and, and none of it. Uh, but but what I was gonna say is. Once the pain and the memory of that pain passed, then I was like, hmm, these people do ultra marathons, you know? <laughs> and I didn't enjoy any of it, but it was just, we got to go to the next gotta level. Got to go to the next level. Got to go to the next level. I, have you read Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins? I can't say that I have. No. You ought to read that. It's, might, a, it's a good book. I might check that out. I'll, when I watch this later, I'll try to remember that title. Okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, send, you, I'll send you a copy of it. It's a good book. He's a, He was a Navy SEAL guy, and anyway, he just talks about some of the similar mentality type stuff in competition uh, what do we like on time because oh, you I need to go ask, no i wanted to ask you something okay ask to make me. Sure time. well we, we'll 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 probably stop here in a minute we're past an hour which just means i like you oh well that's yeah, nice so <laughs> <laughs> so uh and josh knows this i'm i'm a super i'm super into ghost stories mm-hmm. i love ghost stories so have you had any activity here Lately with the ghost. I haven't experienced anything lately. Since they fixed the door, uh, it no longer... So the door fell off the hinges. The store used mm-hmm. to open on its own, right? And then it fell off the hinges, and then we replaced it with new hinges, and now I guess the ghost doesn't like the door anymore, because now he, he doesn't open it. But anyway. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think, too, though, when we had experiences here, it was usually during moment during times of transition. There were things being moved around. Like the first time, I mean, I was always kind of creeped out by the building, to be honest with you, but I had never, and I don't really give a lot of credence to that. Like I've been in the roughing at night alone before and never experienced anything. And a lot of people say it's super haunted. And my wife, even this former house we lived in, she claims she saw stuff. And even in the house we're in now, and I've never seen anything. So, you know, and and, and I'm open to, okay, maybe some people are more attuned to that than others. And I'm just not. But anyway, I'd never experienced it. So the first time we had the big experience when me and her were in the office that I've talked about a few times where we heard the footsteps and there was nobody there and the door slammed, the door we saw slammed, um, we had been building this side out. So there was no offices over here. This is all getting built. And so I feel like that riled whatever up, you know? Mm-hmm. So that happened. And then it was a few weeks after that, we were painting this, con- what, what used to be a conference room. It's my office now. Uh, we were painting it, and that was the night we she both of us had smelled a, a man's cologne. I wasn't wearing any cologne, 
And uh, I mean, it was so strong. It was like somebody spilled it right there and you could smell it. And uh, that was weird. And then, of course, we built this out. And the first few episodes of this, there was one where the door literally opened during the episode. So I really think that some of it is that that stuff, I don't know, maybe it just gets riled up. And as long as, yeah, yeah. I had somebody tell me, my wife, because she claims that sometimes she's seen stuff or whatever. She says it's a dude in overalls. And during the podcast, he stands right here behind me. Really? Yeah, during the podcast. So I don't know. So I have a few stories. I did a I did a horror or like a you know like a supernatural podcast a while back. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, I listened to that. Picks. I listened to it. Yeah, because yeah. you shared the link on it. Go ahead. Right. So you know I told some stories on there. Like there's stuff going on at the Chamber of Commerce and uh, Ripley. Mm-hmm. And they've had similar and it just like you said when they started doing some renovations on it, some stuff really got kind of wild. But after that, it sort of settled. Uh, and I, I haven't talked to Susan in a while. I got to get back with her and say, like, hey, is there anything? They even we even discussed me helping with a horror tour when Halloween rolled around, but I my schedule was too tied up. I couldn't uh, handle that. But um, I'll tell you, have you heard of the Tennessee Bell Witch? I have heard of that. You know, they used to put the story in the paper. Mm-hmm. The Commercial Appeal used to run the story of the yeah. Tennessee Bell Witch, and it kind of changed up a lot. But uh, I didn't tell this story in the podcast, but I'll tell it to you here. Is we went to that. We went to the cave that's there because mm-hmm. the house is gone, but the cave is there. And uh, so it was myself, Lacey, uh, one of our other friends, and our friend Michael Sonderman. And he was the one he was super into going, mm-hmm. right? So we decided to make that road trip. It's in Adams, Tennessee. We went out there. And uh, so we go down and we get in the cave. And the minute we get in the cave, four people's uh, camcorders go off, just dead. Batteries dead, brand new batteries. Nobody's camcorders are working, uh, and so that was kind of weird. Everybody's lights were flickering, which is weird. Now, some people say it might be, you know, electromagnetic interference or whatever in the cave. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. Mm. But when we got back, we recorded. Our camera didn't go off. When we got back and we looked at it, we had those orbs in the footage, you know, that people show off all the time, yeah. which was weird. And um, he had take. We had taken actual photographs with a disposable camera and we got the developed and those things double exposed with another roll of film on another camera that had long since been uh that we'd already taken to get developed so like we had double overlays of stuff that had happened in the past on the photos of inside the cave that was super weird yeah that's weird mike has unfortunately since passed away and i don't know what he did with that stuff but in retrospect, like, we should have been showing that to everybody. I yeah, should have yeah. been like, hey, look at this. But it was a disposable camera. It mm-hmm. wasn't the kind of camera you plug the film in. You yeah. know, we used to have those little... Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It, but it wasn't it's that. click, click, click. Yeah, it was one of those where you just buy the camera, you do the thing, you drop mm-hmm. it in the bag. They used to show it in the commercials all the time, mm-hmm. dropping them in the envelope. It's so convenient. Right. But yeah, it was just a disposable camera, and the footage, like, double exposed. Hmm. That was super weird. Uh, and I've just, I've seen tons of weird stuff. So I told Josh when I agreed to do this, I'm like, all right, but if we get killed by ghosts, it's on you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so I try to be very logical about things. And so, um, but I'm also very open-minded. And so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I like to think I'm open-minded enough to say, I don't know. I'm open that it's possible there are things we don't understand. I don't know if it's uh, maybe because of emotional energy of, from a death that it's like almost like a, a film uh, scene replaying that replays every time. And, you know, like they have a lot of, think about it, a lot of these places that are haunted, 
whether they're graveyards or uh, hospitals, it's where traumas happened. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that leaves an impression on that that uh, the area there, and that's why what you're seeing. I don't know if it's spirits or demonic or what, but I'm open that that's possible. And because I, I don't know, I mean, we, none of us really know. You know, right. we, we all have our beliefs and our feelings about what happens in the afterlife, but we don't. None of us, and I don't know that we ever will know that. You know, that's a frontier that we're all going to cross one day, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, we may not. Did you see they found that mummy and they're trying to revive her? Oh, have you seen God. that? That <laughs> sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, there's like a because that never goes wrong. There's, yeah, there's like three or four movies about why that's a bad idea. Right? Yeah, no, it's like she's like eight thousand year old mummy. I want to say I forget where she was frozen, but it was she's literally frozen solid, and they think she was a sacrificial victim. And uh, but for whatever reason, they they seem to think they might be able to bring her back because of how well she's preserved and her organs are all still there. Everything's still there. And, uh, they were talking about trying to reanimate her, which is crazy. Uh. And then I talk, so look, let me, let me preface it by saying this. So my wife was telling me this and I'm not knocking anything Madeline would say. She's super genius smart, but she does also go down some of those holes there. Oh, <laughs> some of the right. stuff. And so I don't know, uh, I don't know the degree, but the, she was saying, yeah. And so then I was thinking, well, what's the ethics of that? Cause think about it. It's one thing if Raymond, goes and pays some some company a million dollars to get frozen in the hopes that cryogenically they'll be able to bring you back a thousand years. You voluntarily did that. Right. But if I get killed in a sacrificial ceremony, maybe voluntarily, I did it on purpose, and now these people 8,000 years later are going to bring me back? <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm not sure of the ethics on that. So I guess the follow-up question there is, if they do revive her, are you going to be there with your card? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, hey, I, if you're not really happy about this, yeah, so. I, I don't know that I can handle it personally, but I could refer her to somebody. <laughs> sure. Give her a reference. Uh, is in terms of supernatural stuff, Josh and I've had this conversation before because Josh has experienced stuff, and I stopped trying to convince people because mm-hmm. it's like it's one of those things where if you don't believe it, you're never going to believe it, mm-hmm. right? Until well, it happens I, to you. I think it. I agree. I think it's one of those things, kind of like politics. Some areas of politics, you can argue to your blue in the face with people, and the, it's a belief. Like, they right. believe they're right based on the, the reasoning they have, and they think your reasoning is flawed and vice versa. And so there are some topics you, that it is very difficult to bridge the gap on. Um, I, I've always talked about this, and I was telling those kids this. I think one of the most important things is for us to try to see it from their perspective. Because if, to me, if you can see... Uh, a counter argument from the other person's perspective and legitimately understand why they think that way. That's the first step towards bridging that gap between the two of you to come to some compromise on issues. Uh, so, but my, yeah, my point was, I, I agree. I think that that kind of stuff is maybe like Bigfoot, you know, <laughs> until you've seen Bigfoot, you just, it's just not gonna uh, right. Be You're real. just not gonna believe it. Yeah. And then, I mean, even I, having had an experiences I have, sometimes I'll hear a story and be like, oh, I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's you know it's one of those things. And and to your point there about trying to change people's minds, I I would find it amazing if anybody changed anybody's mind on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. That's, that's definitely not the place for it. Waste of time. People argue no. on the internet. All the time, and I'm like, you guys are just wasting your energy. Yeah, that's why I I do read the comments, but I don't take any of them personally. I don't let any of them hit me, and uh, I'm confident enough that I can do that because we'll just look for stuff to respond to. Because every comment is good, like I said, it helps the algorithm. But like TikTok, I don't that video was up to I don't know like 800 comments or something, and 
I haven't read all of those because there's so many, but uh, yeah, uh, you're you're right. I think arguing with people on uh, the plus, you know, 99% of the time it's I'm not even going to describe Joe Blow, but you know, <laughs> it's old Joe Blow that you wouldn't argue with in real life anyway. It's a waste of time. Right. Yeah. I know you did all those years in law school, but you know, I read a website. And a Wikipedia yeah, well, but, article. <laughs> well, but look, man, look, look, I'm not all bougie on that I went to law school. Like, I, I do have a lot of degrees now, but that doesn't make me any different or better than you or anybody else. So I'm very open to other people's opinions. I will tell you this, though. I had a, a client today, uh, today, in court, and this guy's in jail, and we had worked out, and some of it is ignorance. Like, they, a lot of the people in jail, we call them jailhouse lawyers, They'll have um, uh, access to a legal library, but often the legal library is outdated. Mm-hmm. And also, they'll be reading something that does it's not even controlling law, and they don't realize it. Like, it'll be like uh, uh, statutes of frauds, this and that, or something that's not even relevant, or federal law that doesn't apply to the state law. Anyway, so this guy comes out, and what had happened is we had a plea arrangement for him uh, on a felony offense that was going to be done by what's called criminal information. That means that the DA and I have agreed on a sentence, and we're going to go ahead and present it in the big boy court in circuit court, take it out of sessions and go to circuit court, enter the plea, and it's just a faster way to get it done where whatever the sentence is, he would get out, right? Had a great offer on it, great agreement. DA even admitted that he gave it to me because it was me, which is great. It means that it was a plus that I was his lawyer. So we go, uh, the day before we were going to show up in court last week, the DA calls me, and he's like, look, man, yeah, I made the offer because it was you, but I just can't do it. I've looked at his criminal history, and it's like six pages. I just can't do that. He's a career offender. You know, one of the charges he's now looking because it, uh, career means that he's not a standard range offender. It means it elevates what his sentence can be. So it literally went from being a two- to four-year range sentence to an eight- to 12-year in prison sentence. It's significantly different, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, he goes, I just can't do it. You know, we're going to have to fight it out, basically. And I was like, okay. and, and the prosecutors can do that. They can retract offers. They don't have to stand by any of that till it's entered. It can always be pulled. So pulls the offer. So then now fast forward, it's back in sessions this week. So I go today to pull the guy out, explain the situation. And he already was aware the thing was pulled, but I was trying to explain what the options were. I say all this to say that, to say all that to say this. So then he starts telling me how they can't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, they can't charge me as a career offender. And he says it's because the feds had already done it. The feds had already charged him in federal court with uh, using the same charges for enhancement over there and that that's double jeopardy, which is not true. So double jeopardy, uh, part of the reason it doesn't apply is even if they had used the exact same facts and applied the same federally uh, equivalent charge and charged him, um, double jeopardy only applies if it's the same sovereign. And the federal government is a separate sovereign from the state government. So what people don't realize is if you commit a crime that can be federally prosecuted, like you, I don't know, take somebody across state lines to do shady stuff to them, right? The feds can get involved, but it can also be a state offense. And it's the exact same facts. And you can be charged in both courts and face sentencing and prison time in both courts. And they don't have to run together. So you can do this one and then you got to do this one, right? Well, he's arguing with me that I'm not right, that he'd been back there and read it and it's not the law. And then he was also telling me that uh, it wasn't, I didn't have discovery yet because in sessions we don't get discovery. We got to get it. We do motions in the next court. So I was like, he wants to know where this body cam footage is. I was like, well, I can't get it yet. Got to go to the next court. Long story short, uh, he ends up wanting to fire me 
because he disagrees with me and says I'm wrong. And I even said, I was like, look, man, I get you're back there and you got all this time and this is super important to you and you're reading all this stuff and people talk. I said, but I know what I'm talking about. Like, this is what I do. And I'm telling you, you need to listen to me because this is going to have to be defended and the next step is going to be X, right? And he, he didn't agree. So my point, though, is he, he had read whatever he'd read. He believed whatever he believed. And the next person he gets as a lawyer is going to tell him the same thing. <laughs> and, and by the way, I was the second lawyer. I guess I should have started with that. So that should have told me something. He had already gotten right. rid of another lawyer. But, uh, yeah, old boy just didn't believe what I was saying. And I Which thought is that he kind was kind of right. the whole point to hire a lawyer is yeah, for right. your it's... advice and counsel. But <laughs> well, what I what I was what I was said all that I said all that to say this. Sometimes the client's right. Sometimes they have found something that maybe some nuanced area because that's why it's called a practice. I am in legal practice, just like doctors are in medical practice. Is because it's a practice. It's not a fact. You know, it's not a hard and fast thing. This is something that uh. I am practicing, and by practice, that means sometimes we're not always exactly right, you know, but you want a lawyer that hopefully is the majority of the time. But this was actually pretty basic stuff, and he just wasn't grasping it. So, anyway. Man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't mean to take all your time today, Raymond. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you uh, if you're interested in being found. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, most days you can find me at Workwear Outfitters. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, to any of those folks that might be watching, because I know you probably got a lot of coworkers and stuff. Hey, anybody that remembers me, I miss you guys. Yeah, uh, I hope, a lot hope of everybody out there is doing well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so. uh, well, I appreciate you being on the show. Please say hello to your bride for me. And uh, right. we'll have to hang out more. You have to come back and try some martial arts maybe again. <laughs> you got up to what, brown belt? Uh, no, I'm uh, red yeah, belt? I'm brown. I'm brown. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm decided brown. Okay. You're right there at it, man. Yeah. I just got to get back on the ball. Yeah. You just, well, you know, we're relocating. We'll, we'll hopefully be open in the new place, if not middle of January by February 1st. So where are you going to be now? It's uh, So Jason's moving Total Fitness Gym uh, behind the new car wash across from Walmart over here. Oh, okay. So it's a big new building. And we've got a big, it's double the space, floor space we have now, facility that's going to be in there, all brand new, everything. So it'll be, uh, hopefully it'll be real nice. So John Adams is doing a lot of your classes. Yeah, he's the lead, he's, he's the, the head lead instructor, instructor for it, yeah. yeah. I love John Adams. And then Great. Madeline and I teach occasionally, but John's the head guy. He's there most of the time. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the trainership is completely different from when I was doing it. Gunnar Hewitson was mm -hmm. the trainer. I miss, I love Gunnar to death. I love Gunnar too. You know, he's doing real well. He's yeah. military, uh, Navy, he's an officer. Yeah, I see him pop up on Facebook sometimes. Yeah, he's big in jiu-jitzu, hardcore. He's oh, got yeah. his purple belt. Yeah, yeah. he's a, he's great. I, I'd kill for him. He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah. And then, Mr. Mr. McDaniel's mm -hmm, Josh. Yeah, he used to he used to be the one that whenever we come in and he was teaching classes, they were like, "Oh God, I'm going to be so sore tomorrow." <laughs> yeah, he likes the physical part of it. Yeah. yeah, I remember he would tell us uh, we would be looking at the clock because we'd be doing holding some kind of pose or whatever, and he's like, "I see you looking at the clock. Don't worry, we've got plenty of time." <laughs> he was yeah, great too. He was but... good. Yeah, he's very talented too. He fought for world champion a couple times. Oh yeah, he's really good. Yeah, and he's really tall too. You know, John won world champion. Really? He did. He finally won world champion. And, uh, I mean, you look at John, and a lot of people, I think, underestimate him. Oh, but yeah, he's, he's really good. He's brutal. He's yeah, really he's very, good. very talented. He always said, uh, he used to tell us, if there's a hole in your defense, my toe is going to find it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you. <laughs> it's true. It is very true. Yeah. yeah Tito is kind of the same, too. He's yeah. he's pretty good for, you know. Yeah, no, we, we had, man, I've been very blessed uh that that place has generated a lot of champions there's a lot of black belts in both mma kickboxing and taekwondo and uh, i think people 
uh, underestimated or take it for granted how what quality martial artists we we produced from there because it's in Covington, you know. Yeah. But of all places, it, it, we had such high level. I mean, I was on the U.S. Taekwondo team for eight years, literally coached two years. And I mean, was the pinnacle of martial arts competition, and I'm from Covington. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then so. they, they ask you where you're from, you tell them Covington. They're like, where? Yeah. I did start saying Memphis because a lot of them were like, "Where's Covington?" Yeah, same, you gotta, same reason I do. You, you don't want to have to explain it to yeah. folks. Yeah. Right. Well, again, thanks for being on, Raymond. Thanks for having me. We will see you uh, soon elsewhere. Make sure you guys check out their movie that's coming out whenever Josh is done with it, the <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Game O, game back, what? Back, back in the game. Back in the game. Back in the game. <laughs> we found it on the Mason Studios channel. On yeah. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe across platforms or on TikTok, social media, all the social media, YouTube, podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, please check us out. Even if you don't listen to the whole thing, follow, like, and subscribe to stuff because it does help the algorithm, okay? It's not like I'm getting paid here doing this. Uh, if you haven't already downloaded it, make sure you download Wonder Girl by N.A. The Band. It is free. It's a single they have out now. Their album's going to drop real soon. Very talented guys. They're playing Saturday night at the Cellar um, Christmas music. So if you get a reservation, you can come in. The N.A., the, the band, they're going to be there uh, playing their Christmas uh, setup Saturday. Uh, Michelle Allen, like I mentioned earlier, is a great person and is your go-to in the area if you're buying, selling, renting real estate. She'd be glad to help you. Or if you have any general questions in the area, like I said, she's on the board of directors with me at the Chamber of Commerce. She's very well connected and just a great person all around. Uh, Mason's High Team Martial Arts, we discussed here. Raymond, I, Josh, all of us have been students there. Uh, you go to masonsmartialarts.com. Currently running a special $149. You get a month of lessons and a uniform before Christmas. So you need to check that out. And if you haven't yet, make sure you visit the Cellar Restaurant Prohibition Bar in Covington. This weekend, we have live music Friday and Saturday. I think we're doing a Bloodshot Christmas with the band Bloodshot Eyes Friday, and then N.A. the band is Saturday. And then, of course, we have our um, Masquerade Ball New Year's Eve event coming up that I described at the beginning. And, of course, Josh will help you with your online branding with Masonite Digital Marketing. Just uh, visit masonitemarketing.com. So thanks for your time today, guys. We'll be back again next week. Uh, hope you have a good holiday season. Uh, take care of your own and keep kicking. Thanks for watching, guys. Just remember that this is not legal advice or investment advice or business advice. This is for fun and entertainment purposes only.